Blog Talk Radio. Big Mike, is there anything that she can grow into 
pitching baseball as a woman? I believe the Mets, uh, the Astros, um, uh, probably a couple <laughs> other teams uh, wouldn't mind having her on the staff right now because uh, they're hurting when it comes to starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there you go, Stephen. Cousin Todd, do you think she can Maybe. Um, be a distraction? Cousin Todd, do you think she'll be a distraction in the Major League Baseball arena? Um. Serena, what, what do you – did you say Serena? Oh, arena. No, um, arena, the major league baseball arena. Okay. I was making a bit of a joke. But anyway, according to Aguna, if, uh, if you're anything outside of a heterosexual male uh, committing crimes, beating your wives and all that kind of stuff, then you are a distraction. So my answer, according to Aguna, would be yes. She would be a distraction. Okay. Um, Big Mike, you got anything else with sports? Uh, I am uh, laden with sports today. Uh, Stacy, funny that you would ask that. We could start. We could start doing. Um, uh, I'm sure everyone had an opportunity to watch the Sunday night version or the Monday night version of Sunday night football, which was. Uh, complete disaster because the evening started off we thought we were going to be talking about the two quarterbacks and at the end of the night we're only talking about one quarterback and we're really not talking about his play we're talking about the fact that Johnny Football who I I think even my cameras in my house are watching him right now and he decides to uh, throw up a gesture in the middle of the football game now if he verbalized a gesture or said anything else, you normally hear from the league office, and it would be so much more controversial. But uh, I think this is going to be downplayed, and it shouldn't be because the NFL puts on a, a show. It's entertainment. And, you know, I have a young, impressionable 8-year-old nephew who uh, hasn't started school yet, so he probably was up watching that game too. So, what do you think that, that message sends to the kids out there? I just serve that up for everyone. Um, tell me this. What do you think should happen to him? Should he be fined or suspended or what? I think he should be fined. $25,000 minimum. Not suspended yeah, from anything. That sounds about, that sounds about right. He should he should be fine exactly. I don't know how much money. Whatever he doesn't have. Well, he does have money. So finding even more than that. I mean, that's just not acceptable. It's it's really gauche. You really don't want that in your sport. And everybody's watching. That's the second most watched preseason game of all time. And you know a lot of people are watching. And it's just it's, you know I was I was hoping he was gonna have, he was gonna start maybe have a good year. But it's just it's just so it's like it's like middle school. It could flip people off. So, I don't know. It just says a lot about him, and it's not becoming. Um, that brings me back to Stacy's point was um, how appropriate was the fine for the gentleman who hit his wife in the elevator uh, fine and and then half million dollars then. His then girlfriend. His girlfriend, right. Uh, not going to make a difference, but yes, then girlfriend. Uh, and suspended for only two games. So you don't think this 
uh, guys should be uh, suspended just fine. That's like a yeah, warning to the other players. I mean, yeah, I mean, what he did, everyone knows is immature. It was nowhere near knocking a woman out cold because she said or did something that was like tickling a feather on by your nose. Okay. You know, Are you saying that you agree with him that this, which is what we were talking about before you switch the subject, that, uh, that he should be fined and not suspended? Well, I didn't switch the subject. You brought up the Ray Rice saying that I had referred to a previous on a previous show. So I, just I know. I just wanted it. you to finish the point out. I agree with Big I think, Mike I that think, he should be fined. And you agree that, with the that's price? That's all that's going to happen. The, the NFL is talking about on politics because this is a political issue. It really is a political issue. On one hand, we were talking. You, you did bring up the subject of another player and, and what happened to him. And, and, and I introduced this guy who we're all watching, and it's sad that we're not talking about his play. Um, you know, Stephen said, you know, the fine is about right, and, and it's crazy that we're talking about something that he did that was kind of kind of juvenile, but, you know, that's it's the reason it's juvenile is because someone somewhere at some point back in history saw an adult do it and thought it was okay to do it as a juvenile. And what's really sad is we're not talking about his play. The reason they didn't name uh, a starter last night is because they really have to get – a grasp on this wild card player they have. He kind of reminds me uh, back of the time when there was a guy named Jeff George who had a lot of talent, mm-hmm. changed in the NFL, but just never could understand that he wasn't bigger than the game and his talent wasn't bigger than the game. Reminds me of another guy uh, named Ryan Leaf who had a lot of talent but just could yep. never get his ego and his uh, personal issues under control so that he could succeed in the NFL. That's all true. Absolutely. And, and they're like that way, and that's a shame. They all have talent. You hate to see talent get wasted, and that's what they're going to do because they're doing the chore. Well, I notice Aguna's been really, really quiet. I guess he's still waiting for Todd's apology, which I don't think is coming. <laughs> and I'm definitely waiting for uh, Todd's apology, but this is a distraction. I mean, I I, I agree for the most part, but. I'm just going to offer this one perspective here. I know this is the NFL, and the NFL has morphed into a soap opera over the last um, couple of years just because of the amount of access and the amount of visibility these players have. But this, I mean, is this the first time that somebody has flipped this other sideline off? Is this, I mean, if I make no mistake, this is football. These guys are constantly talking trash. They're constantly going back at each other. They're battling in the trenches. They're beating up. You know, there are a lot of things that that have gone on probably mm-hmm. in that game. You know, they, you know, they were taunting him. You know, when Kerrigan sacked him a couple times, you know, they were doing the little money sign. So, yeah, so Manziel, yeah, it was stupid. He shouldn't have done it. But there was a lot of stuff going on in that game that's part of the game, trash talking being one of them. I, I'm not condoning his behavior. But I think it's also kind of glorified based on the fact that he has a big ego. He came into the league. There's so much expectations around this guy. And Todd, yes, he is a distraction. And that was one of the reasons why many of the uh, teams were looking at him. And, you know, they were like, you know, do we want to build our offense, you know, predicate our offense around this guy who – who, you know, is kind of a wild card. You know, when he's hot, he's hot. But when he's not, he's not. I wasn't necessarily – overly impressed.
impressed with him in college. I thought that, you know, he was a good quarterback, um, but not a first-round pick. I, I never thought he was a first-round pick. So, you know, part of this is the sensational, the media sensationalizing everything he does. I mean, they're they're following him out in Vegas. They're they're watching him at his every move. So he should know better. You know, based on the fact that there's such a weight on his head, he should know better. So, yeah, definitely find him. I don't think he should be suspended, though. I think that's because there's so much. I mean, are you going to suspend every, you know, weren't we talking last year about, you know, players getting fined for using the N-word and stuff like that on the football field? I mean, at some point, you know, these guys are going to get out there and play football. Emotion's going to take over. You know, should they just go out there and just gunsling and do all kind of craziness? No, but at the same time, aggression and frustration and trash talking is part of the game. Right, as long as he doesn't get a reality show, then he's okay, right? <laughs> well, and, and by the way, Michael Sam actually played pretty good. So I mean, you never know. He may he may actually make the team. That was that was my biggest critique. If he you know, if he was a first round pick, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't have this discussion. But you know, he no, was what, just a lot of these first round, second round, third round. The point is give the man the opportunity, and then judge him. But you were hung up on that he's going to be, quote-unquote, going to be a distraction. And that's I a never said, I, notion. I never said don't give him an opportunity. I never said don't give him an opportunity. But with okay. that opportunity, you have to evaluate whether or not he's going to be a distraction to the locker room. I mean, even the most talented T.O. is by far – one of the most talented wide receivers to play the game. But he was out of a job. His last couple of years in the league, they were looking at it like, okay, his age and the baggage, is he worth the distraction or is he worth the 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 the, the media scrutiny in the locker room? Sure. At that point, T.O. wasn't even talking trash anymore. He had actually calmed down and matured. But because of the That's media me. scrutiny, yeah. No, that was him in the locker room. He was getting too old. He was just getting too old. I don't think it had anything. If he was playing like he played four years ago, there would be no discussion. I feel that he was still playing. He was still playing pretty good. He was still playing pretty good, in my opinion. I don't know. He tried to make the Seahawks. I think that was the last team with the Seattle that was. He made a great catch in the preseason, so he still had. I mean, he still had some talent, but. Uh, I, people just wanted to go in a different direction because of, yeah, I think that, make no mistake, that media scrutiny and and locker room presence had a lot to do with them not getting uh, getting picked up by a team in the last couple of years because, again, you know, you had young players that are unknown, media is not going to be in their locker room in people's ears and waiting for an explosion. So that had something to do with it. Okay. I think all that talk was just a distraction to the fact that we were talking about Johnny football. We didn't even talk about RG3. To, yeah, I mean, that's nothing to talk about. RG, hey, RG3, I don't know what Steven. Steven, I don't know, man. That guy. No. I mean, was, the quarterback play last night was horrific on both teams. Hey, but you know what? But you know what? Before he threw that interception, he had a bunch of great plays in a row. And when he threw that ball to your man that used to be on your team, he looked great. They looked like they were in tune. Everything yeah, looked good. Right. But, but I agree. I think I think he's going to be hurt maybe before the first game. 
like he, you know, like it happens. He's just a little bit on the brittle side, and yeah. somebody else is going to have to come in. And I, I just, it's a shame because he should be healthy by now. But and he, he is more healthy than he was. But it looks like just, I mean, he couldn't slide. He come up limping. Hey, when yeah, he comes up limping, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he doesn't have room to come up limping. He doesn't have the room to come up looking like he did last night. He's got to be well, spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and that, that's the unfortunate thing about the whole situation. I mean, when you can't even protect yourself properly by sliding, and, right. and, and he's mm-hmm. always trying to make a play. So he's always looking downfield. He's trying to extend the play. So, and, you know, I'm not questioning his competitiveness, right? But it's just no, me neither. Yeah. He's like it's, a faster uh, Brett Favre. He's like a faster Brett Favre is what he is, but right. he's going to get hit, and he's not. But he's not as stocky. He's he's got he's kind of small. He's got kind of thin legs. He's in a and on a really bad knee. It's not going to take that much to put him out. <laughs> All right. So, so I think the key for the Redskins to be competitive this year is Alfred Morris in the run game. They're going to have to, you know, really pound right. the rock with between Alfred Morris and the, the backup Kalu. What's his name? Um, um, the other the hey, other guy. They're they're both pretty good. They're both hey, pretty Lou. good. Kalu, yeah, they're, they're both pretty good. So. I mean, don't put RG3 in a position where he has to, you know, <laughs> expose himself, run the ball. I know they got yeah. Deshaun Jackson in there, you know, and, again, he's feast of famine. He's he's brittle as well. You know, he can't get off yeah. press coverage, and that's one of the reasons why sure. Chip Kelly let him go. I mean, but, you know, he does, you know, he does, you know, get, get some attention. You know, the safety has to cheat over to his side, but that's if they're playing mm-hmm. off. I mean, he'll beat you in – in zone coverage all day. But when you start getting a right. physical corner, because, again, that was a rookie in the playoffs that shut him down. So, hey, good luck with him. Yeah. So when he, and when Deshaun um, isn't winning, when he's not winning, <laughs> it's, it's, it's me, Sean. <laughs> he gets mad and he, he pouts and takes plays off. So, I mean, yeah, he's me, Sean, but we have, R- we have RG me. We have RG me, and now we have me, Sean. <laughs> so, hey, but it's, it's, it's as long as they're winning, I mean, I think it's going to start off great. I mean, they're both right. both talented. They got chips on their shoulder. They want to prove. They want to shake the world. It's just a matter of time when you have to overcome adversity. You know, you get the first game mm-hmm. in which things don't go right way. Mishon doesn't get over 100 yards. You know, something something happens. You know, and then yep. all of a sudden, you, you know, you got you got to have some presence in the locker room to, to keep those egos under control. You know, so we'll see. We'll the truth. We'll see. We'll see. And speaking the opposite of brittle, how about the segue into baseball? We talk about uh, Ryan Braun's Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, it doesn't get any more ops than that than, than a performance-enhancing substantive user uh, quietly has his team in first place right now in the Central Perfect. Division of the National League. I don't know what's going to be getting on that because none of you guys like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nothing to say about the Phillies, but I mean, I'm you know I'm out in Milwaukee quite often, so and I can tell you that for the first time in a long time, the city is actually excited about the Brewers. Brewers, Brewers, Brew, how you say it? I don't even talk about it. So <laughs> I can't even pronounce it right. But anyway, yeah, they're excited about you know their team and they <laughs> they have high expectations. And all these teams, the Kansas City Royals, the, the Orioles, these are teams that were nothing. And all of a sudden, you know, they're the face of baseball now. 
So, okay. Well, well let's not get we'll carried see. away. Let's not get carried away. They're just winning right now. And baseball right. is a fickle game. You can you can be an Oakland A's fan like Big Mike, and you're wondering how in the last ten days this team went from, you know, just, just, just scorching the AL West to now they're a half game back of the Angels, and, and you, you're wondering – all those moves that they made in terms of trades to bulk up their pitching staff and, and letting go, you know, one of their one of their power hitters uh, was that the right move? It, it looked, it, 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 you know, the immediate impact looked awesome. You know, they surged and got about three more three games on the Angels. But next thing you know, you know, the Angels made a move and and here now they're a half game up on the A's just that fast. Ten days later, just that fast, uh, you know, they're in second place. And I'm not wondering anything because the Phillies, the way the Phillies are playing, and you know, just just bring on football, just bring on football. <laughs> Speaking of which, the Phillies are playing the Seattle Mariners right now in Philadelphia, right now, and it's like um, I think two to zero. <laughs> and how much are the tickets to the game? Five dollars. And for for Seattle, no, the tickets are still expensive. They're not getting them off like that. What's up? It's two. Oh, I'm two sorry, zero. The Mariners are up. Okay. Wow. Wow. Kind of sad. That's all you can say about that. Do, do we want to go any further about baseball, talking about the Phillies? Oh, and by no. the way, I do own a Kansas City Royals hat that I wear regularly. Sometimes, you know, every now and then, your your last place hat ends up in first place, and people wonder why you wear it. And that's the reason. Uh, but I don't own any Phillies caps because losers are just losers. <laughs> yeah, I say that just so you didn't get your hair done. <laughs> what did you say, Todd? I thought he just wore because his hair wasn't done. Uh, I don't know. He's a U.S. veteran. You know those vets. Those Marines keep their hair cut. That's right. Uh, just like, just well, like. Then there's no need of wearing that Mariners cap. Well, no, it's it's stylish. It's stylish. It's stylish. And I have to wear it. I have to. I have to wear it to hide and shame and cover up the fact that I'm on a show with a bunch of Phillies fans. Really. When was the last time you went to a KC game, man? You, you don't go to a Royal. Uh, game. Uh, to a Royal I game. actually went to. I got that hat at a KC game, which they're playing the Oakland A's back in 2010, Aguna, if you will. Before you open your mouth and you try to check me, what you should do is take off your Flyers jersey, okay? Uh, All right, moving so right along. You, you said you, you said oh, right. Check either. Who can check me? Look at that. Hey. Well, if it was 2010, wasn't that like two years after the Phillies won the World Series? I think it was. And once you at that game, Ooh. Big Mike, where the Phillies won the World Series? Uh. Uh, who's going to check me, dude? Yeah, yeah, think, yeah think, think about it. Just relax and just think about it. Uh, well, that was because we were, we were, we were probably going to discuss more important stuff like 
uh, right now, um, is the rose going to bloom? And that's the question I got for you guys. Derrick Rose is going to make his return to basketball. I mean, decided to sit out basically all last year and, uh, you know, not play. Now he's good enough to play, you know, Team USA basketball. Um, I, I, I have my doubts that he's going to be what he once was with all that time off. Um, the best yeah, thing Because it's been is, a while. It's been almost two years, right? It's been almost two years. Yes. Yes. That is a long time. Well, wait, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Big Mike. When you were at that Phillies game, you were wearing the Phillies jacket, right? Uh, no, I, I don't think I was. You own you own a Phillies jacket, right? I do. I do have a sweatshirt because it was cold. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh, man. You know what? The B and Big Mike fans are bandwagon. The B and Big Mike fans are bandwagon. No, no, it does not. You're you're, you're very Uh, opportunistic uh, here, man. I just need some consistency over here. No, negative, negative, negative. The P on that silly sweatshirt stands for practicality. All right? Yeah, And I'd rather be warm. I'd be warm in a heathen's jersey. Rather than be cold and sick and unable to be on the show. Woo-hoo. <laughs> you just full of answers, huh? Mm-hmm. This guy. Right. Yeah, that's a bad story. You know, you're talking about my flyers and my fillies. I'm sorry. Well, I can't. Anyway, moving right along. We're all, like I said, all excited to see what Derrick Rose is going to do, um, see if he's going to be even a shadow of his former self. Uh, I've seen a couple of uh, the the games scrimmages that he that he's played in thus far. Um, looked good here and there. I saw I saw glimpses, but I have yet to see a, a complete game up underneath him, showcasing the the talent, the level of talent that he had um, before before injury. So uh, I think um, he's going to get a good shot at the fact that Dominican Republic uh, is going to play Team USA. Um, I, I look at their defense. He should be he should be able to scorch them uh, in the lane. Um, I, I don't think that they have what they need uh, up front in the front court to be able to kind of contest him. I think he he has easy trips to the lane. We'll see we'll see what he does. Um, I, like I said, very interested to see how he's he's going to rebound and uh, come back. Uh, and speaking about rebounding, um, let's move along to NASCAR. Um, I'm sure you guys are all wondering. Is Tony Stewart going to be able to rebound uh, based upon uh, having two weeks off here? And uh, I, I'm guessing, based upon the, the, the magnitude of, of the situation, and, and believe, believe me, I, I'm not trying to magnify uh, uh, Tony Stewart over, you know, uh, the poor, poor gentleman, Mr. Kevin Ward and his family, um, just that NASCAR is, is, is such a big spectator sport amongst all the other others out there. Um, I think, and it's just it's just a big my guess, but I don't think we're going to see Tony Stewart race again this season, just based upon what has happened and the tragic events surrounding that that night. Um, it wasn't that far off, you know. Same thing happened. He, I don't know what it is with him in that dirt track racing, but it's just a bad, that's a bad omen. So. Uh, to, to not to not to tarry too long on that, we should actually kind of focus on. There's only a few races left to the chase, 
And uh, every time I get a chance to come on the show, I, I love to talk about NASCAR because it's the one sport that uh, Aguna and Cousin Todd know nothing about. Um, <laughs> so they, they can't argue with me. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> this is the time we go to sleep. <laughs> they know nothing about this sport, although... Uh, as I as I say to to all of you out there, our listeners who aren't NASCAR fans, and those of you who are, take an opportunity yet once again to watch a race. There are good races coming up. Uh, just a few races off from the chase, Gordon by winning oh, Sunday fell himself into the first spot uh, in, wow. in the standings, and now you have basically the the top four uh, t- uh, the top four drivers in the standings are three out of the top four, all Hendrick, uh, sports, uh, Hendrick Motorsports teams. So you can just see how they're, you know, obviously they're dominating the, uh, the constructor points there. Um, the other points, excuse me. Uh, and, you know, in that, in that three out of four, with, with Gordon being at the top, you have Brad Keselowski uh, in second and uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, in third. And quietly – you know, is Jimmy Johnson in fourth, sixth time making a move to get himself right up in there when you you would think, you know, you having him not having not seen him dominate the sport this season like he has in, in, in previous seasons, you would think that he'd be so much further down the chart, but in actuality he is well within striking distance. And I'm gonna go out on a limb right here right now and say that uh, the winner uh of Talladega or Martinsville in in the chase is going to end up winning the chase. I think there's 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 just looking at those two races, you've got you've got the big two and a half mile uh, oval there in the super speedway with the restrictor plate, and the fact that uh, in Martinsville you don't so much have to race uh, the other drivers as you do the track. So uh, I think I think uh, the winner of either one of those races is going to end up winning the chase uh, hands down. Anything you want to uh, add on that, Aguna? Sure. Uh, what's the chase? I'm You actually Steven made it sound pretty exciting. Steven, you Steven, you Steven, 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 no, I, I couldn't hear the question. What did, what did I said, you said, do you know what the chase is? Big Mike said, do you know what the oh, chase yeah, is? Oh, yeah, the chase is like the playoffs. I think Oguna knows what the chase is. He's probably a closet <laughs> fan. He don't want to tell anybody, but he knows what the chase is. It's a playoff. You, know, you can be a casual fan. Right, you can be I a casual a fan. fan or Right, right, right. I'm right. A fan. I'm I'm a fan. Fan. All right. Watch, watch cars go around in circle, drink beer. Watch car go well, around. Hey, how can that be wrong? Beer. And eat and eat wings. He's and eat wings. How can that be a bad thing? Everybody <laughs> should love that. But I, I got a question. But I got a question for Big Mike. Sir. Big Mike, I, do you think? Do you think Tony swerved into him to hit him? Did you see it? Oh, I did see the the footage. Um, that's a that's a tough one. I, I don't know. It looks it looks know. close, doesn't it? Does it? You know what? It, it it could it could it could be anything. He he could have he could have been swerving and missed him because you know. But he uh, swerved into him. 
It, 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 he swerved it, towards it. He could have swerved to miss him. He could have swerved. He could have swerved. The, the the car actually fishtailed. And if you know anything about dirt track racing, those those cars. Yeah, I know about dirt track racing, but nobody slide. else did it. You know, they slide yeah, so, around. And, and, yeah, no one understands that, but they were under caution. He wasn't talk. going fast. He wasn't going fast enough to slide. He was going fast and, enough to turn his wheel to the right. And that is the key. And that is the key. Because I went back and I actually watched the footage. And he was and all the other. Why is it just that Tony Stewart's car hit him? No other car hit him. You know, so right. I don't okay. know. It, it, but, it remember the other piece of it, gentlemen. And I'm not. I wasn't there at the track can, that night. And everyone deserves the benefit of the doubt. Uh, in our I country. don't know. It's, you got to You got to He was mad at Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart, did not walk Tony Stewart any hit other him. Vehicle. He did not walk towards any other vehicle. So no other vehicle. Right, but they were mad at each work. other. But yeah, they were exactly. mad at each other. And it just we're so happened because he wrecked him. But he was he was funny at Tony Stewart. That's the thing. If if another car hit him, okay, it may have been an accident. It was you know he was he was walking out there pointing at Tony Stewart, like. Because you know, like Tony probably wrecked him on purpose. Tony, Tony probably wrecked him on purpose because they've been right. fighting for the laps that preceded this. They they were probably fighting back and forth the whole race, and maybe they have something from another race, but it didn't look right. I'm not saying Tony swerved into him and hit him. It just didn't look right to me. It, it, it looked like well, he should have been lower on the track and not so high. I don't think um, he it looks questionable. And it, it, I don't it, think so either. But what I do know this. I do know this. If Aguna was in South Philly and he, oh, here you go. he he bumped somebody and they happened to spin out on the 95, yeah, 95, yeah, 95 Philly. Yeah, if he spun out on the 95, I'm pretty sure that guy's not going to get out and come running back towards Aguna's car. No, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, fans, the Eagles fans, they, you know, I don't know. If he's wearing a Flyers jersey, if Aguna is wearing that beat-up Flyers jersey, you know what? Somebody might be angry about that, and it could happen. Bashir. <laughs> Aguna, I, I thought you said you're not afraid of Big Mike. I'm not, even though he's a Marine. <laughs> because, you know, if Big Mike fights the way he picks his sports and especially basketball playoff, his sports picks, there's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to miss every time. A new season is coming. A new season is coming. A new season is coming, gentlemen. I, I can't even believe we're not talking. I, one last thing I wanted to cover in sports is we got to talk about college football. Uh, it's oh, the yeah. greatest sport uh, on earth, the truest form of competition there is. And the fact that uh, one of the teams that was picked to to, to be right there and in, in, in contention for this new playoff uh, is going to be without their starting quarterback. Ohio State has lost Braxton Miller for the season. For the season, season with a shoulder yeah, injury. Yeah, I saw that. that. That is huge for ratings uh, because now um, it looks like the SEC is going to have a clear path of self-elimination to, to find out who's going to be the champion in this new playoff system. That's right. You know, I, I predict at least, you know, at least two are going to go. And, it may, and you may see a rematch of the SEC title game. So, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. So, 
So who do we see winning the SEC? Uh, who do we see taking number one in the SEC? Is it going to be Auburn? The Gamecocks. The Gamecocks. Oh. Uh, Gamecocks. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I am not going to sit there and argue with Laguna. The Gamecocks look good. They they look good. It won't be Auburn. I'll tell you that right now. Just too many things that, that uh, have to be had to be replaced. Um, and the, the schedule that Auburn has, uh, with Georgia, uh, in Georgia, not a good one. Um, yeah. Bama, in Tuscaloosa, not a good one. Got to play South Carolina at home. Um, and and the fact that really you got to open the season without Nick Marshall against Arkansas. And I'm not saying that uh, Arkansas is a top-notch team, but the fact of the matter is it, it, it's, it's a question mark. I'm not saying that the backup can't get it done. I'm just saying it's a question mark. So, really, the big thing is we, we should be concerned about uh, when you look, look at the SEC, you should be looking at the LSU, I think, has a good shot mm-hmm. to get it done. They, have, they, are, they are loaded. And when I say loaded, good gosh, that's an understatement. Loaded with talented freshmen and left miles. I don't know how the Mad Hatter gets it done, but he seems to get the most out of his young players. They're great when they're young. And they get into their second and third season, and somehow their second and third year, somehow they find a way to get themselves in trouble, and then become problem kids that we we, we wonder and put a question mark when they when they become juniors and seniors. Uh, so I, I think I think LSU and Bama basically you know eliminate each, each other, other in terms in terms of terms contention. Yeah. South Carolina has a schedule, too, uh, with uh, Texas A&M starting off. Because they passed the opening, openers the 28th of August. They play Texas A&M. So South Carolina's ranked ninth, and uh, A&M's ranked 21st. So, And then we also got to play uh, Florida and Florida and Georgia. So I, I can't wait for college football. This is going to be a really good year. Yeah, and, and Nick Marshall's going to get the Heisman, right? You, you can't do that when you get busted in the off season for smoking marijuana and you have to sit out the first game. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. Excuse me. I, I have to correct myself. It was not actual THC-laden marijuana. It was a synthetic marijuana. Excuse me. Yeah, well, uh, but I guess the big question is we should all be uh, trying to uh, – uh, Ask ourselves is um, what about the Big Ten now? Who, who, who's got to represent the Big Ten? I mean, we 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 we've taken college football where it was anyone had a chance. To now we've broken this down to now there are five power conferences, or you know you're one of the chosen few, and we're going to say that these guys have more right to the championship than any other uh, other universities out there. I I can't believe. That uh, in all of that we can't we can't add a team, you know there should be one wild card team. One team should get that wild card bid, and I'm hedging my bet that it's going to be North Dakota State again, uh, being able to show up, beat a D1 school uh, or the FBS series school or a playoff series, whatever they're even calling it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think they easily could show up and and get in the playoff. And and be a formidable team. I don't know. I don't see the Terps doing that. 
Um, I don't see, you know, there's a, maybe Ohio State. Uh, I don't see Penn State doing it. I don't see no, Rutgers that's on doing Michigan it. out there. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, what? I can't. I can't believe Stacey, you wouldn't say like Michigan or or Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Michigan State. You didn't, you didn't fall into the bandwagon that Aguna has been trying to get you on for so long. No, I don't follow Aguna. You do. <laughs> <laughs> get him. <laughs> hey, go ahead and like my Facebook page. <laughs> All righty. Well, Stacey, that's all I got for sports, man. I'm sorry it's uh, so so long. Uh, lots of stuff to cover today. Lots of stuff. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Big Mike. That Mike that was fun. a fun. Um, everyone, please, everyone, make, sure please make sure that um, um, your radios are down. Your computers are down. We're down. We're getting some. Thank you, Big Mike, for a great, great uh, sports segment. Now we're going to move right on into this terrible, terrible thing going on in Missouri. Missouri. Uh, we have a uh, really, 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 really uh, uh, bad situation. You've got, you've got to talk I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have a talk call. I know. I know. I'm having an echo. Let's have a can we have you call back in, Jonathan? Can you hang up? Thank you. Our, our guest, Jonathan Lebrun, he's going to call back in somehow. I think there was a go. I don't know what it is. But uh, when he calls back in, but let's let's talk about. Jonathan was born and raised in St. Louis. He graduated from Talladega College in 1994 with a BA in English journalism. In uh, 2005, he received a Master's of Arts in Management from St. Louis Bond College. He's a member of Omega Psi Phi fraternity. Currently a program manager for the PCHAS Youth Mentoring Program, where a majority of their kids live in St. Louis's North County. He has a great grasp on what is going on in St. Louis. Jonathan, I, I just introduced you and, and, and talked about your bio. Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Sportletics, where sports and politics mix and mingle. How are you this evening? Jonathan, are you there? We're having a few technical difficulties. So until um, Jonathan, okay, he dropped. He's going to call back. Until then, let's hear a little bit about what uh, the president had to say about uh, peace in uh, St. Louis. Of course, it's important to remember how this started. Uh, we lost a young man, Michael Brown, in uh, heartbreaking and tragic circumstances. He was 18 years old. His family will never hold uh, Michael in their arms again. And when something like this happens, uh, the local authorities, including the police, have a responsibility to be open and transparent about how they are investigating that death and how they are protecting the people in their communities. There is never an excuse for violence against police or for those who would use this tragedy as a cover for vandalism or looting. There's also no excuse for police to use excessive force against peaceful protests or to throw protesters in jail for lawfully exercising their First Amendment rights. 
And here in the United States of America, police should not be bullying or arresting journalists who are just trying to do their jobs and report to the American people on what they see on the ground. Uh, put simply, we all need to hold ourselves to a high standard, uh, particularly those of us in positions of authority. Uh, I know that emotions are raw right now in Ferguson, uh, and there are certainly passionate differences about what has happened. Uh, there are going to be different accounts of how this tragedy occurred. There are going to be differences in terms of what needs to happen going forward. Uh, that's part of our democracy. But let's remember that we're all part of one American family. Uh, we are united in common values, and that includes belief uh, in equality under the law, a basic respect for public order, and the right to pe uh, peaceful public protest, a reverence for the dignity of every single man, woman, and child among us, uh, and uh, the need for uh, accountability when it comes to our government. So uh, now's the time for healing. Now's the time for peace and calm on the streets of Ferguson. Uh, now is the time for an open and transparent process to see that justice is done. And I've asked that the Attorney General and the U.S. Attorney on the scene uh, continue to work with local officials uh, to move that process forward. Uh, they will be reporting to me in the coming days about what's being done to make sure that happens. Okay, Jonathan. Hello. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for coming on. So glad you're finally able to get through. I don't know if we were having some yeah. sort of sound audio technical difficulties. I apologize for that. Uh, thank you no for problem. being on. I did. I uh, uh, introduced you and told our, our panelists about your background and just uh, uh, heard from the president and about healing in St. Louis. But that's hard to do right now, especially since someone was just killed today. Can you talk to us exactly. about what is going on in St. Louis? And you're in North County, and that's where the gentleman was killed today, correct? Correct. Uh, this Another young man was killed today, not too far from the uh, area that uh, Mike Brown was killed. And uh, let me just say this. Um, it's very... Uh, mentally draining <laughs> to everybody right now uh, because there's just so much going on. I mean, never in a million years would I have ever thought that in my own backyard that there's a war going on, pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's interesting, just what, last Saturday or um, Saturday before, um, you know, I'm driving down the street, uh, coming back from a event with my family and uh, make, making a turn on West Florida ready to go home and, and I get stopped and I'm like what's going on and I see now that there's this big commotion going on and so I had to turn all the way around go down another street to go all the way to get to my house and uh, only to hear that uh, from a uh, young man that I mentor call me and say hey Mr. Legron this young man just got killed, just got shot by the police, and they say he tried to do this and tried to do that, and and then next you know, all hell breaks loose. I mean, it happened so fast. So just to so, go ahead. So, so you are you you currently a program manager for this youth mentoring program where a majority of the kids live in that area. What are have you talked Correct. to any of them? What are they saying? You said it's mentally draining. I know it is for you as a mentor. But what is it doing for the children and their families? Well, let, let me tell you, I talked to several parents uh, just to call and check up on them and make sure that our mentors are getting out there to service them. 
And I had one mother who told me, yes, this is affecting her uh, a lot. Uh, her child can't go to school. Um, they've already missed a week of school, and now here we are, uh, second day. Um, and then at night, she said, it sounds like a war. And um, and then I talked to the other parents who said that uh, she moved. She she literally moved uh, out the area that uh, that she was in with all this uh, chaos going on. And uh, so you can imagine that it's affecting her, it's affecting the family. Um, as far as it relates to what we do, you know, we deal with a lot of kids who have uh, mental health issues. And so you can imagine that something like this added on to what that child is going through already is, is dangerous. And so um, uh, we just urge that our families call us and, and, and ask for help and whatever we can do for them, whatever our mentors can do for their children, uh, you know, we're going to be there for them. And I'm going to open it up to our contributors who are um, Aguna, Stephen, Big Mike, these are the names, Mm -hmm. Cousin Todd, and Keith, the Constitutional Conservatives. I'm going to open it up to them, and please, gentlemen, make your questions brief because we do have, uh, after uh, Jonathan, uh, a St. Louis police officer coming on as well, Dr. Smith. So please make your questions brief. But uh, I'll start off, Jonathan, with um, schools are closed currently, correct? Yeah, there are three school districts that are uh, closed currently. Uh, The Riverview School District, the Ferguson Florissant School District, and I believe the the, uh, Jennings School District. Don't quote me on that. Okay, and since they're closed and people are protesting and there's looting, there there has to be some sort of wave or backlash. Of, there's a halt of education. Schools should be starting, actually, but they exactly. had to close it. So, exactly. so this is affecting uh, the community in multiple le- multiple tiers and levels. So how how is that affecting your your children, your special needs children? Are they getting you know? And parents, if, if the schools are closed, where are the parents putting the children? I'm sure they still have to go to work. So how is this community surviving in, in, in that aspect? Well, uh, again, uh, most definitely uh, the families are suffering because, yes, you have parents who have to go to work. And um, you know, daycare is hard to come by. And But what I recently um, found out is that you have some teachers that are out there in Ferguson, uh asking families to bring their kids to the uh, local library for the day. In fact, uh, tomorrow, I know for sure, from 9 to 4, which is usually school time, uh, they're asking parents and volunteers to come to assist with the uh, kids. And then also you have some school districts are giving out lunches to those kids in the neighborhood. Uh, Now, again, I'm not sure exactly where some of the parents are what some of the parents are doing, but again, you can see this is a this is a, uh, a, a issue that is affecting everybody. And when you already in a low income area, and now you have parents, mostly single mothers, who don't have a, a place to place their children at for the day, so they they can go work and uh, bring in money into the household. It's a it's an issue, and I think people are not seeing that. 
Um, but I commend those teachers who are uh, upset most definitely because they want to work too. <laughs> they have families that they have to feed. So right now they're volunteering their time to to uh, these young kids that uh, are their students. Mm. So I commend them for doing that. So, so Stacey, I have a question for Jonathan. First, I, I just want to... Um, you know, I, I appreciate your efforts, and, you know, I just wish you the best, you and your family. I pray for them, you know, in the situation out there because I know it's got to be tough. But it's definitely yeah. commendable to you and your efforts, you know, mentoring, you know, the kids and just being a, a role model. That that in and of itself is is, is much well, you know, needed uh, nowadays. Um, so, so I have two questions. First, the first question is uh, how much – because, you know, the media portrays – and sensationalizes certain things. How much of, you know, what's going on out there is the local Ferguson um, population versus people from outside coming in and taking advantage of, you know, the uh, the situation. I, you know, all the way from the anarchists back to, you know, just people from other neighborhoods just trying to, you know, provoke and, and agitate the situation. And, and the and then the second part of my question is. Uh, just from a, a long-term strategy perspective, because you know, looking at it from a demographic standpoint, you know, this is you know, this is about civic involvement as much as it is about you know some of the injustice, the tragic injustice that happened. So, what is it you know as far as coming together as a community and, and, and getting back engaged to really because the police are there, the police are really there to serve the people, and versus the people being you know, it's almost like you, you you hit it on the head when you said war zone. If if we're, you know, militarizing the police in the sense that they are soldiers and the battle zone is the community versus being part of the community and protecting the community, I think, you know, what is going on to address that issue? Andre, come here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I didn't hear your, your last part uh, of that. The, the, last, the last part is just trying to come together as a commu- community from a, a long-term perspective. You know, the police are there to serve the people, and it seems as if, you know, there's a confrontation between the police and the community, especially with the, uh, the militarization of the police. You know, what is, what is there being done about that? Okay. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I'll go backwards and a- answer your second question first. Um, I would say that, of course, uh, there's a divide with some policemen and some of the community uh, members. Uh, again, I really believe that, and the people that I know that have been out there, uh, as they quote-unquote uh-huh. call it, ground zero, and I've, I've driven through there, and I've seen the people protesting and people coming together uh, during the day. I believe it's the citizens of not just Ferguson, but of all St. Louis, coming together, working closely with the policemen, uh, with Captain Johnson there and some of the other policemen, white and black. Okay. Um, excuse uh, me. But then, what, one minute. Let me sorry? introduce. This is this is Andre, right? Yes, ma'am. It's Andre from St. Louis. Okay, but that was. Um, okay, I'm sorry. That was. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no problem. No Go problem. Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, then I'll introduce Andre. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, again, just wanted to. Um, you said they work well together in the daytime, correct? During the daytime, but it's like during the evening. You, how can you distinguish the difference between 
the peaceful protesters and the people who are there to just uh, capitalize on this particular issue. And it's, it's hard to deal with. It, it really is because when you're, you're looking at the police, as, you, as everybody's seen right okay. here and everything. And so it's, it's kind of hard for the police to distinguish the difference, but then they still have to protect and serve. Uh, well, the solution is easy. Excuse me. Excuse me. The solution is easy. The demonstration should just be during the day, and anything pe- peaceful people want to do is during the day, and then anything at night is not going to be allowed. You have a zero tolerance but, of gathering for for now. I, That's an easy solution, I, I, and then you I, don't I, have. I, 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 I understand that, but you cannot keep people. keep people from exercising their First Amendment right, and that is the protest. You can't do it regardless. But I understand that, but so they can do it during the day and then let the, let the... Say, okay, but I don't... Let me, let me introduce Andre, please, before we move on. And, and please, okay. they're not... Andre and uh, Jonathan aren't used to our format, so um, okay. let them speak okay. one at a time. I want to introduce Dr. Andre Smith. He is a uh, 18-year veteran on the police force for St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. He's a Ph.D. He is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. He is vice president of the Ethical Society of Police, uh, which is the local branch of the National Black Police Officers Association. Um, Dr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us. As you hear, there are so many things that that our uh, contributors want to ask you. So let us, um, can you address the question that Stephen just asked? Mm -hmm. And the question that Stephen just asked was, you know, just have them protest during the day. What what are the police, you know, what are the police, can, can they do that? I doubt they can, but can they do that? Well, I, I believe right now there's a, there's a test that uh, Ron Johnson actually asked, uh, asked the protesters to voluntarily protest during the day. But, I, you know, I believe it's a free society, and people have the First Amendment right. If they want to protest, protest at night or they want to protest the day, during the day, that's their right. And uh, I, I think if mm-hmm. the police try to decide to impose on, you know, your First Amendment right, they're imposing on your First Amendment right, whether it's, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon or 1 a.m. I mean, you have a right to assemble and you have a right to protest, to speak, you know, to, to speak. I, I don't know how, you know, we, uh, we in a free society can tell, somebody, can tell someone when they can and cannot protest. That's right. But the protesters aren't there at night. The people who protest go and hide, and the other people take over, and they cause all the destruction, and people are going to get killed. Stephen, you're not there. How can you say that? You're not because that's what I heard. Oh, okay. Because that's what I heard. Well, ask the guy. Ask the first guy on the show, Aguna. Ask him if he hears it all night long. He 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 just said that the protesters are there at night as well. It's just hard for the police to distinguish between the two. Listen to what he's saying. But they could distinguish if the protesters go home when it gets dark. Say, hey, but they I agree. I agree right. with Mister. I agree with Mike Brown. I agree with him. No, I mean, I'm I, I agree with Captain Johnson. I mean, I'm sorry. I agree with Captain Johnson. If he says, go home. If you're if you're peaceful, go home. If you're not peaceful, come out at night, and then we'll take care of well, you. But but the of the people for the safety of the people who are peace loving people. Tell them to go home when it gets dark, and then we're not going to put up with it at night because that's when okay, things well, happen. Well, uh, I'll make a suggestion for what I've seen uh, and what I think that may work, which worked the other day, and that's to have the policemen spread, it across, spread across 
uh, West West Florida. If you the way the street is, it, it's a long street. It goes all the way from the city to the county of St. Louis. So it's a very long strip. And from the beginning of Flor of Ferguson all the way down where the Quick Trip is and all the other stores, you have enough policemen. You have enough uh, uh, policemen from from the county to the uh, highway patrol to monitor that that strip on both sides mm-hmm. to make sure that nothing is going on, nobody is looting, and if you have to stay out there all night, so be it. Until we can get a some answers to this situation. I have a question. Uh, my name is Keith. I'm in Los Angeles, California, and we are not uh, unfamiliar with this type of thing. I mean, I've been, you know, as you know, L.A., we go through our situations all the time. Um, and, and I just wanted to know, because I, I grew up in murdering black children? Let me pose my question before you start. Uh, but here's the point is I, I, I've seen it, you know, before with the L.A. riots and so forth and I'm in the watch riots. But here's my question um, to the officer, the police officer on this line. Uh, what's his name? Your name, sir? It's officer? Okay. Okay. So here's my question to you. I mean, uh, obviously there are black police officers there, and there are black police officers. We saw the, you know, when they brought the black guy in, the black police officers, at least that's what we saw on the television. And all of a sudden, right, right after that, they start rioting again. Um, the thing I wanted to ask was, if there is indeed a culture, because, see, we went through this in L.A. with LAPD, uh, the consent decree and all this stuff. If there is a culture of hatred against young black men, then why uh, don't the black officers speak up in other words, is there a code of silence, or are they intimidated by other white cops, uh, white police officers, or is there some code of silence that they can't speak? I mean, why don't they ever speak no. up in that situation? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not speaking there. up right now, and it's there's not a culture where the black police officers are silent to, a, to the abuse or whatnot if they see abuse. The issue here, I think, is the issue that's prominent in the St. Louis region when it comes to policing. There's an issue of diversity. Let's see. I'm from the Metropolitan Police Department. That's the city property. The uh, city is basically, you know, demographically split down the middle between black and white. But the police department has pretty much stayed the same. It's uh, it's been 30% African-American police officers and 70% white officers since 1980. Then you switch over to Ferguson. Ferguson, which is more extreme, is basically 97% um, white officers to 3% black officers. In a city which is a population of 65%, you know, the population is African-American. Then you switch to the county, which you see, uh, you know, which is handling the protest mainly. Those officers are mainly 90%, uh, it's 90% white officers out there. So, what, you know, I'm speaking for the, uh, the African-American uh, Police Association in St. Louis. And basically what we've been preaching for the last 30 years is that the police departments in this region need to be diversified. They need to... It needs to mirror the population demographics of the city and the region as a whole. Well, why do you suppose young black men don't sign up? I mean, why don't they ever try out? They they do sign up. Yeah, that's 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 a nonsense. That's a nonsense. That's a legitimate question, guys. It's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. It's ridiculous. It's a legitimate question, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask it. I mean, I'll answer the question. What we found in, in the local agencies is that we get the same response 
all the time. That there aren't any qualified African Americans that 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 apply exactly. in the numbers. And we know that that's that's just you know that's just nonsense. That's just the state, no, that's a, that's nonsense. So that's why I didn't want you to waste a lot of time with that kind of and, crap. And Keith is focused on the that. wrong thing so in this discussion. You know, it's hard for me to hear the response. It's hard for me to hear the response anyway. of the officer with wait all minute, the other jabber. Keith, let me let me make you, my Keith. can I make a quick statement here? Real quick no, no, statement. No. No. I think the focus the should be on civic involvement. The community needs to demand diversity by being involved in the voting process. I mean, in Ferguson, I heard fifteen hundred people voted out of fifteen thousand. I mean, you you need to. There needs to be do they vote civic for police involved officers or are police officers appointed? You know, in L.A., we have ones that are appointed. It, it, it doesn't matter. The police officers are appointed, but I would, I, I would agree with what the gentleman is saying. There is voter apathy that just runs rapid in that area, but there's also some socioeconomic issues that are rapid in exactly. the But let's right. say in, in the city of Why is there voter apathy? How could anybody be apathetic? How can anybody be apathetic about voting? don't be naive. Don't be naive, Stephen. No, how can anybody be apathetic about voting? Well, there's a moderate reason why people are apathetic, but if you don't think that you have a voice in the system, I mean, uh-huh. what's going to push you to the polls? Because you don't see the end result of, you know, casting your ballot. You, you, you know, those gentlemen out there are suffering through 50% unemployment. I mean, if we use just some historical statistics, during the Great Depression, there was 25% national unemployment rate, and that was the Great, Great Depression. We're talking about the citizens in Ferguson, the black citizens, they're, they're going through an unemployment rate of 50%. Okay. Right. Wow. That, I think that just speaks to a, you know, a level of hopelessness that's prevalent in, okay. in, you know, in the area of Ferguson. Well, well you know, hey, I got one more point. You know, officer. Keith, uh, Keith, huh? wait a minute. Yeah. I have one more okay. thing. I have Jabril Ballantine on Brother Alpha Phi Alpha member, uh, also president <laughs> of D.C. Black Republicans. Welcome, Jabril. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. The All right, how is it? The Alphas have a quorum. The, the Alphas have a quorum. Uh, do That's you right. have <laughs> any comments for Dr. Smith and or Dr. Jonathan about okay. this sense of hopelessness that the gentlemen have, that the men in Ferguson have, because of the 50% unemployment rate? Right, right. You know, that's um, you know, that's a depressing – you know, I talk about the community. I, I, I'm a Episcopal priest in Orlando, Florida, and um, the community in which I serve is six, 17% unemployment, and I say that that's three times the national average. Here we have a situation which is 50% unemployment amongst one sector of the population. Um, you put that in perspective, that's just completely ridiculous. And so ridiculous. What do you, what do you think is, is going to happen? I mean, people need to eat. Right. People need to live. Sure. Um, yeah. People are frustrated. People are kicking at the system. I mean, we talk about voting and voter participation and voter apathy, and I, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. But at the same time, people have plenty reason to be apathetic towards the system. Um, yeah, I not even to from, Exactly. I, I, you know, I happen to... I also am, in the many places that I'm from, I'm also from St. Louis, Missouri, um, Matthew Dickey's Boys Club, Mr. Dickey is my grandfather. And okay. I, so I, I used to live there for a little while. Um, and, and 
come to understand because I lived off of Belt Avenue, um, yes. just off of just off of Union. So technically in the hood, pretty much in the hood, and you okay. understand what goes on and how people are treated and mistreated by the system, and just nothing happens and. All sure. the things that people are saying sure. about St. Louis being one of the most segregated cities in the country, yeah, this right. well, it's like they never got the memo that segregation ended. And right. And you know what so the mayor said? To... The mayor said yeah, that it's not racially divided. That's well, that was a, the, I think you have to clarify the, the mayor of Ferguson, but I, I think that the young man is right. I mean, in, the, in North St. Louis, in the city proper, the uh, – it's 90, I believe it's 95 to 96% African-Americans live in North St. Louis. And there right. is a racial demarcation in the city, in the middle of the city. Merrimack Avenue. Merrimack Avenue. You do not go below Merrimack. Yeah. And, that's and they don't exists. come to the north of Merrimack. Yeah, that's, that exists, that exists huh. in housing. Uh, you know, St. Louis is very segregated, like you said, and housing is kind of uh, red-lighted in this, in this town. I mean, there's no official, you know, place – you know, there's no official, you know, legal discrimination, but folks know where they where they are and they know where they live. And right. is that city is that, is that city run by Republicans or Democrats? It's run by Democrats. <laughs> it's a, a oh, Democratic. I wonder why. Uh, yeah, he knew. That was a rhetorical <laughs> question. <laughs> but the state of Missouri is truly a Republican a Republican state. I mean, we're, yeah, we're out there Missouri the Missouri Democrats are really Republicans. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. In the I mean, the only reason that they, uh, the only reason they identify as Republicans is because, I mean, it's Democrats. Because they can get elected, can get elected in the city of St. Louis. Exactly. It's black. So you you can't get a Democrat, a, 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 a Republican will, ne- will, will not get elected in St. Louis. Not exactly. anymore. No. Or, and, um, and so they have Democrats that, Republicans that switch to Democrats. In order to win, that's right. But they're conservative Democrats. You know, like they act like Republicans, but they're not really Republicans. Or is that what you're saying? Excuse me, we have a caller. No, he's trying to say they're Republicans in cheap clothing. Oh. We have a we have a caller. Welcome to Spoiler Pick for Sports and Politics, Mix and Mingle. What's your name and where you're calling from and what's your comment? Andre, y'all need to clean up the kitchen. Hello, I beg your pardon? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was speaking something else. Okay. <laughs> I guess our caller just wants to listen. I'm sorry. Let's get Big Mike in this. Big Mike, did you want to ask uh, either one of our uh, guests a question? Uh, I, I'd like to ask the, the uh, I, I believe the first gentleman was Jonathan, and then also yes. the, the the doctor who was the, who's the police officer. Um, I understand you guys are, are talking about the issues and the demographics and the politics of of the region, but I think my concern here is we, we've lost focus of what the real issue here is, where this all kind of this, this powder keg started. There's a young man, eighteen year old young African American man. It actually it wouldn't matter to me whether he was white, rat, black, red, blue, or green. The fact is, right, he was right. an eighteen year old kid in my in my eyes, an eighteen year old kid. Yeah. Who, who, if if the private autopsy reports are are, are in fact correct, he was shot six times, and he was unarmed. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I I just well, cannot it wrap my head around what what police policy, what police 
rule of engagement, what, however, whatever could go through any human being's mind to hmm. feel that six well, rounds. Which was, he was shooting was an animal. He wasn't shooting mm-hmm. a person, and his justified, eyes, he was an animal. Exactly. Are justified under any so, case. Mm. If I may interject, I think you asked a very poignant question, and and mm-hmm. I think it does I think it does matter that he is black, and it's for that exact mm-hmm. reason because no. the reason it matters because he's black is because we fail mm-hmm. to confront our image on blackness and on black life. So, like Stacy said, he wasn't shooting a human being. He was shooting yeah, someone was. that in the minds of society is still less than human being. And so uh, I, this would never, this would never happen. In a, it wouldn't happen in another community. Oh. But unarmed, a 17-year-old, 18-year-old boy, white boy, who robs a store uh-huh. will be, will, would be stopped by the police and walked home to his parents for misbehaving. Uh-huh. I would comment on this way. I'm a policeman. I've been a policeman for 18 years. And I would just say this, that basically, you know, policemen police with the tacit approval of the citizens. And when the policemen lose that social contract and they don't see the citizens as as you know, they don't see themselves as a fellow citizen, and they believe That's that they're true. a siege army. Then they can treat the citizens, you know, improperly. Now, I'm not going to speak That's on true. on the uh, you know the circumstances of, of the shooting, but I can just say this: right. that, that right. you know, the National Black Police Officers Association, you know, a big mm-hmm. deal with with them is that there's a residency requirement for policemen in communities. That policemen are become a part of the community which, in which they police, and I. I and I really believe that if that's the case, that, you know, there will be more community policing and policing would actually match. Yes. But, 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 yes, but let me see these fellow community members. But, 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 I'm speaking to the African-American uh, community here. Let me make no mistake. Let me, can I, I, I think we need to think the question was also addressed to me as well. So what I want to okay. say is that, uh, first of all, to the to the black men that are on this discussion, how many of you, have experienced being harassed or pulled over by a white officer. Well, I, I have. have. That's, that's I have, and I'm white. I have. I have. Well, I'm, 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 I'm in L.A. I've been in L.A. I'm 58 years old. I haven't been pulled uh, over. I haven't been harassed since, I guess, in, in the 70s. But, you know, well, let me, I guess let me I got tell lucky. You something. Let me tell you something. I was harassed by two cops at the age of 18 years old. Coming out of a store, okay, mm-hmm. with a suit on. Eighteen. Uh-huh. Eighteen. Yes, with the suit on, coming out the store, cop mm-hmm. pulled out the, out the uh, uh, alleyway, got out the car. I'm like, what's going on? I get thrown against the wall with a gun to my head, frisked. I'm asking, officer, what's going on? Mm-hmm. They tell me, oh, we get a call that somebody was robbing the store. They get back in the car and they laugh and, and go off. So if you tell me that there's uh, not uh, race involved in this, there is race involved with, in this. Uh, maybe not with that, no. but there is race involved no. in this. So don't don't get it twisted. So, so, so there's conflicting. Uh, uh, the police, not not police officer on this line. 
Yeah, I'm speaking Wait to the police, and I'm going to tell you this. And I'm going to be honest with you, Zay. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. I got to do some okay, um, yeah. housekeeping here. One, when, if you're not talking, please keep your mute buttons on. Two, Jabril, that was my cousin Tosh. And three, also, please, uh, gentlemen, please let everyone finish their point, because sometimes when you agree during their point, you can't hear exactly what they're saying. So please let them finish Sorry. their point before you interject, because we miss what they're saying. Go ahead. I think that was Dr. Smith, Sorry. right? Yes, I was just going to speak as a policeman to the, the context of this being a black and white issue. Of course this is a black and white issue. And to say this is not, I mean, you, you, are you living under a rock, okay? Of course this is a black and white issue. I mean, you're talking about a police force that is 90, almost 98% white, police and a majority black population. It is a black and white issue. And to say it is not is, like I said, to be living under a rock, okay? Black, like I said, black, everybody in this country is a free society, and you are policed at the local level, and you are policed with the tacit approval that it will be a community-based policing. When the police are no longer part of the community, when the police are, when the police see you or your community as you know as a target and a target to be harassed constantly. I mean, have you have you seen the uh, you seen the, the uh, stop numbers for the city of Ferguson? I mean, I got them right here. If you want to know the numbers? The numbers are, are pretty bad. It means that in Ferguson, black folks were stopped 82% of the time for, for all the stops. Right. But when whites were stopped at 16%, they were more likely to have contraband on them. So even, even this high level of, of police stops doesn't equate to a logic. So, because logic tells us, okay, if we're getting more contraband from stopping the whites, then we should stop more whites. Right. I have a question, officer. Officer, I wanted to ask the officer, uh, do you think as a solution, because we, we can go around this all day long, it will never solve a problem, but if we, for a solution, do you think that it would be a good idea for that they maybe uh, the, the brass, you know, whoever makes the decisions of where cops are, are going, maybe they should have more black cops in black communities, white cops in white communities, Asian cops in Asian communities, Latino cops in Latino. What do you think of that? Setting you up. Well, setting I don't agree with that. No, why can't he answer question, a question no, without time? I can answer. Well, listen, I can answer the question. The question is simply diversity. It doesn't have to be black, white, and whatnot, but a police force should be as diverse as its citizenry. You know, That's right. We, we don't have to go with this whole nonsense about blacks just in black communities or whites and white communities or Asians. Puerto Ricans. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's nonsense. It's just diversified. Brother, Brother Smith, can I ask you a question, please? I'd like, I'd yes, like to ask the officer a question um, yes, because I, I'm hearing what you're saying. I agree 100%. I, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and from the point of the diversity, you know, where they have to come from the community. You know, so it doesn't matter black, white. If a white person lives in that community for a certain amount of time, then, yes, you qualify. But if you don't have any relationship with that community. But my question right. to you is how do we get you or a person like you or from the black uh, a stage, a platform, to make that case? Because it seems to me this is an opportunity for the black officers to make that case and be able to protect and to serve. The black officers have been making that case for 20 years. The National Black Police yeah, but what I'm saying right like now they're not hearing you in St. Louis. We well, know the dynamic in St. Louis. Right now they're not listening I'm to you, but how can we get it on the national level so that in the, in the midst of this 
attention that's being paid to this issue, you all can get some national attention and maybe put some more pressure on the local brass. Okay. Well, that's what's happening right now, and it's, it's the key. We've been putting this pressure on the local brass and, and regionally for 40 years. I mean, they understand the diversity problems that are prevailing in this region, and maybe it's a Missouri issue. I, I'm not really sure because I can't speak of other departments around the country. But, but I, mean, I, mean, we're, I, don't, uh, I think we're missing okay, a key me, issue me, here, me, though. Well, Big Mike has one just, question. Did you answer? Okay, did Big Mike answer your question? And then, um, and then Aguna. Yeah, he, he, he did. Uh, I, I wasn't, okay, number one, I'm an African-American man, and I wasn't trying to, to, to say it's not a black and a white issue. I honestly believe it is. But in order for us to get to the root of the problem right here, at first, I believe you got to make it, it was an unarmed citizen issue being shot six times. That right there, if we start there, then it becomes, then we get a little bit more bang for our buck, and then it becomes an issue which it's not uh, where, where there a racial divide. And then that, that all races will see that, you know what, there's something wrong with the police force, period, shooting an unarmed right. man six times. That well, how right about there, the guy that was just shot today? He had a knife, I hear. I understand. Can you elaborate? Oh, uh, the, uh, the gentleman today. The gentleman yeah. today is. I, I don't think it's uh, relevant to to our discussion. With that, no. It, it, it really isn't. This young man had a mental health uh, problem, and I think that was the cause of his behavior as well. And that's a whole nother uh, story uh, uh, issue that we need to address. Uh, right. Okay. However, well, do we know? Do we know Mike that, Brown? Do we know if Mike yeah, Brown had a mental mental problem? Easy. No, he did what not. Did he but what if he did? Race is not the only part of this. Uh, abuse of power, and that can be from a white cop Bingo. or a black cop. That's what I'm talking about. That's so I'm, I'm not, I'm not abuse of power. totally... Oh, I see you guys saw race. Training Day. <laughs> you guys saw Training Day. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that what needs to be done is you need to look at all these police departments through all the, our municipalities, and there needs to be some reevaluation in all of those. They need to do an audit. They need to do whatever they, uh, it takes to look at who they have on their staff and make sure that they are trained on how to deal with people in general. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't yeah. think that's going to happen when the big issue is when you have, and this, a lot of Republicans think this is what Keith does, they don't agree with making the police force look like the community. They do not agree with it, so they don't do it. Now, well, you heard, my, you heard my question. I asked you if know, uh, you think more black officers should be in black okay. communities, and they don't, they don't silence, think so. Silence, silence. Now, oh, yeah, you, just, uh, you just accused me. You just accused me of something, and I'm just oh, trying God. to clarify. You no, accused me of something, and I'm clarifying it. I think, black, uh, I think there should be more black uh, black men in police with the police. Uh, but you, again, you have to recruit. You have to go out and get them. Right. So I'm just saying, why aren't they signing up? I mean, you know. okay, they're not hired. It's really Aguna's turn. Can you let Aguna go? Yeah. Well, it's a great discussion, but I think again, and this is going back to a, a point Keith is trying to make, but he's not, he doesn't doesn't necessarily know how to convey his point without um, offending people. But the oh, without being accused of offending people, that's the whole thing. 
Well, the black community has to address this issue of not trusting the police. I mean, I think it's both twofold. I know there's reason for that, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the police force is there to serve the community. And if the community isn't holding the government accountable, again, this is a clear example of how the government, you know, is failing the community as it's serving because the community hasn't held the government accountable. Their civic leaders are not participating in the civic process. I mean, so a lot of this has to do with empowering the citizens of Ferguson, the citizens of Missouri, to get involved civically. And that means diversity not only on how that how the police force is, but also how you vote. I mean, unfortunately, black Republicans do a very bad job of conveying a message of your vote needs to matter. You need to look at both parties. You need to look at holding you know, small government. You need, and I'm not trying to make politicize this as much as to say, People need to get involved. They need to vote. They need to. We need. We need to. Yep. You know, take control of our communities and hold ourselves accountable, just like we hold the government accountable. We need to make sure that yes, you know sir. this young man was stealing, but at the same time, we need to mentor the people. Have the power here. An abuse of power. You know, the people need to take control. You know, I mean, the the mayor, the the, the excuse me, the chief of police in Ferguson needs to resign. He showed incompetence not only how he handled the situation, but just not being prepared and the way they released the evidence, all of that is sh- shows that an incompetence by the government, in this case the police chief. You know, so it, and I understand mm-hmm. the social economic pains that need to be addressed, but that's where we, you know, as Alphas and the, the, the Omega brother that's on the phone here, that, that's that <laughs> we, we need to really get engaged and, and start pulling our people up. I mean, we need to get back to the roots of things when we didn't rely on the government it was the communities that took control. It was in the churches. It was in the way that we went about and Absolutely. got people involved. So I agree. There needs to be black officers in the black community because back then, that's how I mean, you're empowered. I still think there needs to be diversity. But, again, you need to be part right. of that community and hold these people accountable. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, this is Keith again. I want to ask this question uh, because go. I have in front of me, I'm looking at it here, and I don't know, maybe it's bogus, and please tell me if it is. Uh, but they're talking about the black new Black Panther Party, you know, the, uh, oh, oh. some of the agitators, and they were this, chanting. This is exactly what saying, I'm talking about. Uh, Todd, okay. do you mind if I ask the gentleman a question? They don't seem to be offended yeah, by I my question. Going with this, Keith. Uh, if I'm offending you, gentlemen, by asking you this question, please forgive finish me. I said, you know, beforehand. No, I'm asking this question because I'm seriously wanting, wanting to know if there's any kind of uh, repercussion or any kind of maybe somebody saying anything about their chanting the idea that they want to kill, uh, the guy needs to be dead, not kill him, but they're saying we want him dead, talking about Wilson, and uh, one of the, uh, the officers who shot the young man. And they're saying, what do we want? We want him dead. And this is what the uh, Black Panthers are, uh, you know, basically leading that charge. What do you guys think of that? I mean, they're obviously from Oakland. They're not even, you know, part of the residency. I, I, you know, I would like to respond to that. I'm Officer uh, Andre Smith from St. Louis, if I could. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. I would just say this: that I mean, I think the uh, Black Panther, the new Black Panther Party, and you know, all of that stuff has been overdid by Fox News. I mean, it's five of those guys. It's five of them nationwide. Okay. Okay. So I, I think that you know, just even, you know, bringing that up is just, just you know, exactly. I don't even know how to even go with that. Well, this is like a, 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 a,
Keith, this is Steve. Yep. The, 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 the Black Panthers are like the Ku Klux Klan. The civilized people don't pay any attention to them. They're not part, oh, okay. of, part of everybody. Oh, but if they life. had white sheets it's, and they were Ku Klux Klan, I bet you they would pay attention to them. The media would pay problem. attention. The media might, right. To have, we have Dr. Smith on, we have Jonathan on to give us their insight on what's going on in St. Louis. Let's let them give it to us. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm enjoying this. That. I like hearing from these guys. Yeah. Dr. Let Dr. me just Dr. say Smith that. Okay. Let me just say, this is Jonathan. Uh, let me just say that the whole movement right now is very diverse. Uh, uh, again, we're watching the same thing that you're watching, and, uh, and I've had the opportunity to get, go down there, and I've also participated in some uh, rallies, per se, uh, with uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. And uh, from what I see, you even have monks uh, 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 from India uh, coming down here. I mean, it's it's a media circus. I will tell you that it's a media circus, mm. <laughs> and you have people there that are truly uh, protesting, and you have people there that really want to just get some airtime and and mm-hmm. uh, promote their agenda. It, it, it's kind of sad and makes me sick. It's kind of like me leaving my house one day empty and then coming home and there's a million people in my backyard. That this is wow. how I feel mm. right now. And, That's uh, honest. That's honest. It's honest, and and my thing is this: as as much as this is uh, draining me, I feel like we still have to fight a good fight uh, until mm-hmm. justice right. is there. And and again, I, we don't we don't want to make it a black and white issue because they're all racist uh, uh, down there protesting. But my again, it has to start with the police departments. Um, right. But then, don't get me wrong. We still have a lot, a lot of work to do within our communities with our young black men, right. and right. how to respect authority, uh, right. and to get out there and, and work, and be productive citizens. So we ha- we have everybody needs some help, <laughs> okay? Right. So and this is right. Can I, I, can I ask you? You spark another question here. I got to ask this, you guys, and I know my colleagues are going to get on me about this, but that's okay. I'm used <laughs> to it. I want to ask this question uh, to the gentlemen oh, who are yeah. here on, the, you know, the guests. What do you guys think, your perspective on uh, teaching our young black men to have a respect for the, our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence principle that all men are created equal by God and that, they, that we should uh, respect the rights of the laws of nature and, the, and our founding principles that, that make all men created equal? What do you think of that? Well, well this is, uh, this is uh, Andre from St. Louis. Yeah. I, I don't know where it comes from. I mean, why would you think that... Young African-American men don't do that. Oh, because they tell me. I'm a teacher. I teach over here in Los Angeles, and they tell me that. They say, oh, you know, it's a racist society, a racist And I think one of you guys alluded to that when you were talking earlier. Uh, It's a racist society. I mean, everybody knows a black man has been put down since the beginning, since slavery, and we never really recovered from it. I mean, that's that's the notion. Well, I don't necessarily – I don't think that black – African Americans, and he goes back to W. Du Bois when he talks about the double bind, the double consciousness of, of African Americans. Yes, you know, we're equally, we're e- equally African, and we're equally in this country, and we're always reminded of our blackness. But that hasn't excluded African Americans from being the most patriotic of Americans. I mean, even I uh, Frederick Douglass, even Frederick Douglass said, you know, you don't have to change the, you don't have to change the Constitution. The Constitution is malleable. And I black, agree. African-American folks have been the most patriotic folks, even in the face of being, 
you know, treated as third class citizens. And I don't I don't think that that African American young men are, are any different. I think exactly. sometimes you know, think this generation is coming from. Well, this generation, I have to say, is different. But anyway, that's okay. From my perspective. We're out of time. I want to give Brother Jabril one last opportunity, and then I want to give Dr. Smith and Jonathan Legron a chance to sum up, because we're out of time, a chance to sum up what they want to discuss with us. So, Jabril? Who do you want to start first? Jabril. Father Valentine. Yes, hello. We, we, Are you there? Yeah, I agree with Brother Smith. We, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, I thought you were good. I, first off, Jabril, I want to congratulate you on your recent marriage. I thought maybe your wife, your new wife, had your attention. So, you know, you weren't paying us much time. <laughs> no, you know, um, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, you know, it, it is true that we have been amongst the most patriotic of Americans, and I think hands down the most patriotic of Americans considering what our people have been through. Um, maybe next to the Native Americans who, who stand with us. But um, I think we haven't, and my conservative brother might agree with me, I think we haven't embraced the totality of the Constitution. And the Constitution is indeed, like Frederick Douglass said, malleable. And for those young brothers on the streets who don't understand why they should buy in, it's because the Constitution is the tool by which we can seize our freedom. And Thank you, brother. Thank you. As, as many what times as, as we may as, not apply. This well, the well, we don't we don't look at, we don't look at what the founding fathers said, what the foundations of democracy say, Which what was that what? constitutional framework. You got to get down now, sir. No, 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 no. That that when like 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 Thomas Jefferson says in the Declaration, when that government becomes tyrannical, it is the responsibility of the people. Yes, yes, sir. Sure brother, an informed brother. I love it. And I love it. We want, we hear all this conversation about we're supporting peaceful protests, right? And I'm saying this as a priest. We're supporting, supporting peaceful protests and people embracing their First Amendment rights. But we don't support them embracing their Second Amendment rights. Now, maybe yes. they're not organized. Yes, now you're talking. But they are tired of the abuse in their community. Yeah. And, you know, in Chicago, real quickly, the Chicago okay. police uh, chief uh, is advising people to get their guns, man. Did you hear That's about Detroit. that? That's okay. Detroit. Okay. Detroit. I'm sorry, not Chicago, Detroit. Have you finished? All right, Brother Jabril, have you finished? You know, I just want, yeah, I'm pretty much finished because that's, that's the perspective that I've been thinking about a whole lot is how um, these young people have decided they have given up on the franchise. They don't see any power in the franchise, but they see power in this. Maybe we need to channel that power into a right way to use democracy. And maybe, maybe this is a part of it, because maybe now somebody will pay them some attention. And That's maybe, what I hopefully, do. there is somebody who can speak to the political piece. Just like we got Secretary of Defense, we got Secretary of State. Maybe there is somebody who can speak to the, diplom the diplomacy of it and bring some sense to the situation with some sort of resolution that, embraces and does bring together this whole unity that we say that we need. I'm available anytime. Okay. Just give me a call. <laughs> All right, I want to speak with you, Father, because I'm doing work with the church and I'm doing work with the frat. Yeah. So I want to speak with you. He's not a brother. I don't think he's an alpha. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> who is that? Chief, 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 Chief,
She well, was not enlightened. Not okay. All right, thank you. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> now, Jonathan LeBron, can you give us some closing closing words on, on what you want our listeners uh, and yeah. contributors to tell or about your organization? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, okay. First of all, I just okay. want to thank you all for inviting me to this. Uh, it's been very informative, and uh, okay. I think we got some things done. But I also want to say there are two things that I think we need to focus on in the future now, really now and in the future, and that is to uh, uh, work with our young people. We need to give back. I'm a firm believer of each one, teach one. So we need to, to go into our communities. And black men, we need to work with these young black boys. But then also we need to uh, uh, go to our uh, uh, policemen and, 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 and demand our police stations and the chiefs and whatnot and demand that they get some type of uh, education as far as uh, working with uh, the black community. Uh, it has to happen there in order for a, ch- a change, and we have to get to those people that believe that something like this is, is um, I guess, the belief that there's nothing wrong. You, you, it's surprising that I, I read uh, information and I see that there are people out there in St. Louis that don't understand what happened and why we're protesting. They're very ignorant to the situation, and they need to be educated. Uh, so he those doesn't are the, understand the why we're that, protesting. Say that again? He doesn't understand say, why you're protesting. Uh, Keith doesn't understand. No, he doesn't understand. But I do understand why thing. Detroit is arming themselves. Uh, that's why the police chief tells the citizens to arm themselves, black citizens. And, you know, we've had a hard time with arming ourselves in the Second Amendment uh, because okay. we have people that don't want us to. But my last, my last, I understand, but my last two words that I want to say and I want to respond from everybody at one time, hands up. Don't shoot. Hands up. Thank I you, will not surrender. I will not surrender to these liberals, don't sir. Shoot. I will not <laughs> surrender to these liberals. That's all it is. That's where the battle is. Now, he may say, don't shoot until you see the whites of his eyes. I will not surrender to liberalism and to progressivism and to socialism. Okay, That's wow. what's happening in the country. Okay, Keith, sorry. <laughs> Let's please, you got to stop right there. Um, wow, right. Jonathan, that was profound. Yeah. That was really profound. He said, hands right. up. Thank you so much. I like to thank Cassandra Blassingame, Sora Cassandra Blassingame, for, for uh, booking you on our show. Thank you so much for yeah, joining thank us. You, us. Thank you, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Great, great insight. Now, um, Dr. Smith, uh, can you give us some some, uh, information on your organization uh, and some parting words, please? Yes, ma'am. My organization was uh, started in 1972 by by the African-American policemen of the St. Louis Police Department. Uh, We have a mission of diversity, a mission of community service, and a a mission of of outreach to all the communities of St. Louis. And the second thing I'd like to say, which should have been the first, was really I appreciate you all having me and hearing my voice tonight. Um, and uh, the short thing that I would like to say, I would just like to bring it back to Dr. Du Bois. When Dr. Du Bois said that the child's intent would, would lead African Americans mm-hmm. you know, out of, out of the uh, recesses, and mm-hmm. I definitely believe that. I mean, I'm a citizen of St. Louis, and I think what we have to do is not forget that, you know, there are black folks in the city. We can't just go out to the suburbs because the grass is green and our neighbors hate us. We got we to forget that, you know. And back to what the, the brother was saying about the Second Amendment. 
he ought to read the Constitution because I don't know what he's talking about in the Second Amendment. And if you're afraid of the policemen pointing guns at you, I'd be afraid of my fellow citizens pointing guns at me. But <laughs> that's that's just. Oh, so you agree with me, Detroit? Uh, I believe to protect themselves from the government. So you don't don't agree with the chief of police of Detroit? I see. Yeah, he doesn't agree with them. No, that is why the Second Amendment was there. It was not about hunting. It was about protecting yourself from government tyranny. Thank you, brother. Thank you. The Second Amendment was about militia. It was about militias. Well, this is Dr. Smith. The Second Amendment was about militias and the possibility of putting down slave revolts. That's what the Second Amendment is about. What? You do a little research on it, you can. We all need to understand, you know, I think we all need to understand our history and even our Constitution, That's how right. Mal is, and we all need to participate. <laughs> and they were using mullets, not machine guns. Preach it, Dr. Smith. Preach it. you got to have this gentleman back. you got to have him on another yeah, day. I, we, I we'll, hope, I hope both gentlemen, I hope both um, I hope Jonathan and Andre both uh, will return. Um, but let's let Dr. Smith finish, please. Oh, that that was that was pretty much it. I think that we all, especially as African Americans, we have to realize that you know we have a responsibility to ourselves, to our children, and to our community. Mm-hmm. But too long we've decided that. We can just separate ourselves from, you know, from other black folks. That we can go out to the suburbs, like I said, and we can live in the green pastures. And what we find is that we cannot. We cannot escape this blackism. I mean, that's coming back to to W. Du Bois again. We are who we are here, and we have to be citizens, you know, to our community and to ourselves. Right. And we, we we have to realize that, and we have to uh, put that as a as a mission. If you remember, your argument about the Second Amendment was the same argument they used uh, when the KKK came after black folks, and they would not allow them to carry arms to defend themselves. Okay, thank you. Well, it's, not, it's not an argument. It's not an argument. It's a Thank you. Um, Dr. Henderson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I want to thank Cassandra Blasgame also, who booked you for this show, for joining us. Thank yeah. you so much, Sora Cassandra, for doing that, and your next-door neighbor. <laughs> I don't know her name, but... I want to thank her also for helping us book you. We're so lucky to have you. And I will make a link for uh, you, Dr. Smith, and Aguna, and Father uh, Balantine as Alpha Brothers to, to meet. Yeah. Okay? I'll send a, yeah, a link. Definitely thank you, brother. Jonathan, you are right for a cue, but, you know, I want to thank my, <laughs> my frat brothers over there. Don't mind meeting with the Alpha man. I, I guess I can. The, 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 the Lord said the Lord said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, so I accept you, brother. <laughs> I don't know about anything else. Amen. <laughs> All right, Amen. thank you. Amen. Thank, thank right. you, gentlemen, and hopefully you'll be back on if this continues. Would you please come back on the show? Yes, yes. sir, without a doubt. Thank you. Good night. This is awesome. Thank you, guys. That, that was great. We're going to uh, have to do our roundtable. Uh, we're out of time. Let's start traditionally we're with, uh, we usually start with Keith. Go ahead, Keith, and you got to make it really quick or I'm going to cut you off. <laughs> okay. Uh, real quickly, uh, the Second Amendment is if the Second Amendment does not apply to me as a citizen, that it needs to be extracted from the Bill of Rights. They need to take it out. Anyway, God bless everybody. <laughs> Thank you for making that quick. 
Aguna, make it quick, please. Yeah, Stacy, I just want to thank you. This was this was an awesome show tonight. You know, I respect the brothers on here. You know, I, it, it's, it just shows you the diversity. And even, you know, Stephen, you too, I, I, I really appreciate the conversation. But we, we all have, like I said, we all have different opinions, but I think we all want the same thing. I mean, we want freedom, we want liberty, and we, we want the pursuit of happiness. But, you know, it's important that we have these discussions and have these debates in the town square and hold the government accountable for protecting and serving us and giving us an opportunity to be successful. So I definitely appreciate you, Stacey, for having the brothers on. This is a great show, um, and I'm you know, happy to be a part of it. All right, thank you. We have 60 seconds. Big Mike, can you say something in 60 seconds? I just want to thank you for having those guys on the show. Uh, it was great to have subject matter experts, people who are actually at the site there and able to give us insight that uh, we wouldn't get from the media. Great show, Stacey. Thanks. Thanks. Cousin Todd. 20 seconds. Oh, I'll save my roundtable for next week. How's that? Thank you. We'd like to say, uh, I think our, our Facebook friend Mark uh, Harley, his birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday. Uh, we'd like to thank the first responders in our, our communities. You make our lives livable. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the men and women of the U.S. military for all that you do in sacrificing your lives so that we're free to say what we choose to do on the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. On behalf of Laguna, the Nigerian model, Republican Keith Stevens, Big Mike and my uh, I'm Stacey Johnson. Let's keep this conversation going on Sportletics. Uh, keep this conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at Sportletics. Good night.